When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We don't need a name. We're a team. Your, your name is Team. You're on a tight leash too, bro. Wayne Haskins. Mr. Glass, Carson Wentz, and his offense. Prime time. Damn. Yeah, I love your optimism. I had to get a tall boy for the event. The New York football giants. Deep sleep. Deep, bro. Al Michaels is showing up to work. Nate Solder, get your ass in the building. <laughs> Dude, you should see B. Wills' face right now. He's so giddy. Appreciate being a part of your show, guys. Yes, sir. That was as great as I thought it could be. <laughs> Welcome to the NFC East Feast. We are back with our second team preview, and tonight we are talking the New York football giants. I am flying solo tonight. What we're going to do is go first through the Giants draft class, then we're going to run down their roster, review their schedule, go for a f- go through a few different offseason storylines that have been going on with Big Blue. And then I'll give my win-loss record, see, see if the Giants can follow up on the success they had in year one under coach Brian Dable. All right. Well, I think the Giants had a pretty darn good draft class. That started off with selecting Deontay Banks in the first round, a cornerback from Maryland. This is a big physical corner. He's going to slide in, start day one. He was ranked up there with... Uh, Emmanuel Forbes and Christian Gonzalez as a, one of the top corners in this draft. So I think we're going to see good things out of the former Maryland Terrapin as he starts for the Giants. Round number two, they shirt up the offensive line by selecting John Michael Schmitz. This is a kid who can play a few different positions up and down the O-line. I think he's going to slide in as their center. So this was a need pick for the Giants to get better up front. Another great selection by Joe Shane. Round three, probably my favorite pick of this entire draft for the Giants. They selected Jalen Turner, an absolute speedster wide receiver out of Tennessee. If you guys happen to watch the upset this year when uh, Tennessee defeated Alabama, I think Jalen had about 200 yards and five touchdowns. Kid's an absolute game breaker. Going to make a lot of plays for Daniel Jones and that offense. Round five, they selected Eric Gray, a running back from Oklahoma. Initially, I thought that this was a pick for depth reasons. But now, with the absence of Saquon Barkley from off-season minicamp, something I'll get into in a little bit, all of a sudden, Eric Gray may be asked to uh, step into a more prominent role for the G-Men. Round six, they selected Trey Hawkins III, a cornerback from Old Dominion. And they had two seventh-round picks. Uh, They selected Jordan Riley, defensive lineman from Oregon, and another defensive back, Gervarius Owens, out of the University of Houston. So you could see that that front office wanted to shore up the defensive backfield of the Giants based on this draft class. And it's no secret why. If you look at the NFC East, Over in Philadelphia, you've got A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. Down in Dallas, we've got C.D. Lamb and now Brandon Cooks and the Washington Commanders. 
Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. So this is a division where week after week you're being you're going to be going up against not just one but two good wide receivers and sometimes three. So the Giants needed to make sure that their defensive backs were ready, and I think that they're going to be a lot better in the back end of that defense after this draft class, which I think overall I'm going to give it a B. You could even say it's a B plus. This is something I think we have to get used to if if uh, if you're a New York Giants fan, you know, based on the success of Joe Shane coming over from Buffalo, the roster that he's assembled in a short time in New York. And then you got, of course, head coach um, Brian Dable, who is in the draft room, given his input. The Giants are going to build this roster. And I think that that's only going to be better from here. I want to go through a few interesting offseason storylines. A little bit of drama in New York in the offseason. Started off with paying Daniel Jones the bag. Four years, $160 million. It mirrors the contract that Dak Prescott got from the Dallas Cowboys. These guys are making $40 million a year. Now, Daniel Jones did by far have his best season, and a lot of that had to do with the coaching. They limited the playbook, therefore limiting his mistakes. He only threw for five interceptions. This was a guy that was known to be turnover prone. Only five turnovers for Daniel Jones, but also only had 15 touchdown passes. So scaled back the offense, didn't have him taking as many risks, but they also allowed him to use his legs, as they call him Vanilla Vic. Rushed for over 700 yards and seven touchdowns. So a good season for Daniel Jones. Gets into the playoffs for the first time, and what do you know it? He wins a playoff game, goes on the road to Minnesota, and upsets the Vikings, takes and, and takes them into the divisional round of the playoffs, something I think nobody saw coming a year ago. But because Daniel Jones' success and because they chose to pay him, there wasn't enough money left to give Saquon Barkley that long-term contract, so they slapped the franchise tag on him. Now, this is a trend in the NFL, guys. If you look at all of the top free agent running backs this offseason, my guy Tony Pollard in Dallas, given the franchise tag after a huge season. Uh, in Las Vegas, Josh Jacobs, I think he had 1,600 yards rushing. He led the NFL in rushing, but was not been, he was not rewarded with a long-term contract. He was slapped with the franchise tag. This is just the way the NFL is going. It's such a pass-happy league. We've got guys like Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. The next one will be Joe Burrow and uh, Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. These guys are getting $250, $300 million contracts. All the money's going to the quarterbacks and the offensive line and the wide receivers. So I know Austin Eckler, the... uh, Terrific running back in um, for the Los Angeles Chargers was very outspoken about this, that, you know, running backs are still important and they deserve their money. I know he wants his money. And uh, Saquon has been a little dismissive of the media when they've approached him on this and asked him, you know, because he's missed a lot of these uh, volunteer mini camps, is he going to be there um, for August when it is training camp? And he keeps saying, like, oh, we've got till July 17th, you know, which is the deadline for franchise tagged players to sign a long term contract. So we'll see. You know, we're going to we're going to try to work work out a contract, which I don't think is going to happen. I think that's his way of playing nice. Saquon's a very upstanding young man. He doesn't want to be snarky with the media. But I think he knows that if he wants to play football this year for Big Blue, It'll be under the franchise tag, which is about $10 million. Still a nice payday, don't get me wrong. But he's taking that big money contract. But I think those days may be over for running backs. It's 
It's just a sign of the times. I don't think it's fair. I think it's a symptom of former NFC East running back Ezekiel Elliott. He got the last really big money contract for a running back. And just look at the numbers, guys. Year after year, Zeke declined, declined, declined to the point where he was the second best running back on his own team last year. And now he's still a free agent. He was cut loose and no team is rushing to sign him. You've still got free agent running backs out there like Kareem Hunt. Very talented. Dalvin Cook, who's got what, four or five straight thousand yard seasons for the Vikings. He was cut loose. So just not a good time to be a running back in the NFL in 2023. So we'll see how this all plays out. But we know one thing, Daniel Jones is going to have big paychecks come uh, Sundays this fall. Now I want to go through their roster guys. Okay. I'm going to go through their projected starters. Now on the offensive side of the ball, of course, starting quarterback is going to be Daniel Jones. Starting running back, I mean, I'm still going to say it is Saquon Barkley uh, for now. Um, although, you know, they do have Matt Breida, a good veteran, been around in the league a long time. And as I said, Eric Gray, the rookie out of Oklahoma. But if for some reason, Saquon Barkley does decide to sit out any point in this season. Huge drop off in production in there. And I mean... I mean, how important was Saquon Barkley to Daniel Jones' success last year? That's that's an answer we're possibly going to find out. I think most people would agree, though. He was a huge part of, of that Giants' surprising uh, playoff run. And if he's not there, the entire team is going to take a huge step back. Wide receiver. This was a very thin position for the Giants last year. They made a lot of acquisitions. I, I don't want to all of a sudden this, say this is a, a strength. For New York, but we've got Isaiah Hodgins. This was a kid last year who nobody knew at the start of the year. Probably ended up being their best wide receiver, if not second best, to go along with uh, Darius Slayton as the year went on. Developed a nice rapport with Daniel Jones. And um, Slayton and Hodgins will again be lining up as the starting receivers for the Giants. And they signed Paris Campbell. This is a speedster. Um, he brought over from the Indianapolis Colts. If you look at his tape when he came out of Ohio State, I think he was a high second-round draft pick. So a uh, great collegiate career for Paris Campbell. Didn't quite live up to expectations in Indianapolis. But if you look at the guys who were throwing in the ball in Indianapolis, like the ghost of uh, Matt Ryan and Nick Foles and Phillip Rivers and God knows who else, like never really had a chance. So I don't think all of a sudden Paris Campbell is going to be a thousand yard wide receiver, but I do think he has um, some playmaking ability and he's going to get in the end zone and score some big touchdowns for the Giants. That's for sure. Now let's look at the second team wide receivers for the Giants because it gets pretty deep. We already talked about Jalen Hyatt, the rookie out of Tennessee. Wandale Robinson. This was a kid who was a rookie last year out of Kentucky. He got injured before he was hurt. He was making plays. He's a kid I would kind of compare to, to Paris Campbell. Uh, had, had a lot of production in college. He started off at Nebraska, ended up transferring to Kentucky, but a lot of big plays, but very undersized. And then we've got Sterling Shepard, the long veteran. Been around for a long time. This is a guy who was catching passes for Eli Manning, if that puts it into, into perspective. Uh, but Sterling Shepard's still there, still going to be a menace in the slot. He's got great hands, runs great routes. Now I'm even going to the third team of wide receivers, guys. So this is the seventh wide receiver on the roster right now. 
is Jamison Crowder, somebody who NFC East fans are familiar, especially my my Washington fans out there. Jamison Crowder is another guy who's very talented in the slot, runs crisp routes, and he'll catch a big third and long for you if Daniel Jones just has to put the ball on him. So this is a much deeper wide receiver room. Not still sure that they're the most talented wide receiver room in the division. Could make an argument they're probably the least talented, but much better, and that is going to lead for better passing numbers for Daniel Jones. Another reason Daniel Jones is going to have better passing numbers is Darren Waller, the starting tight end, huge acquisition this offseason. Darren Waller, when he was at his best in Oakland, was a top three tight end in the league, arguably, with like Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski. You know, of course, you can throw Mark Andrews in that conversation. I'm, I'm going back about two or three years uh, here, guys. But Darren Waller, elite Pro Bowl level tight end, an absolute monster. The guy's got to be six seven, um, and, and a great backstory for Darren Waller. If you've ever um, heard, he uh, had a lot of abuse issues. There's uh, stories of him when he was playing football for Georgia Tech. He would mix uh, vodka in his Gatorade. This guy would be getting hammered drunk on the sidelines of D1 football games, but still put up the kind of production that got him to be a high draft pick in the NFL. Um, but his time with the Raiders, um, he was a teammate of Max Crosby, someone who's been very open with his substance abuse issues. And uh, Max got him on the straight and narrow. Darren Waller is now sober. He just got married. Um, he's married to Kelsey Plum, who is a WNBA champion for the Las Vegas Aces. So, you know, his, his life is, is, is going well. I'm very happy for Darren. And I'm sure Daniel Jones is very happy that he's a teammate of his because that is the biggest, I would say, offseason addition for these Giants. Now I want to go to an area of the offense that I think is is not quite as stellar as the tight ends and weapons, and that's the offensive line. But we do have to start with their left tackle, who is elite, and that is Andrew Thomas. This is a kid who was drafted in the top five a few years ago, and I thought he was a bust initially. But it does take offensive tackles a little bit of time to adjust to the speed of the NFL. And this kid ended up last year, he was up there as the pro football focus rated um, best tackle in the league for a while. I think eventually Trent Williams overtook him. But Andrew Thomas was a top five tackle in the NFL. He is going to be blocking Daniel Jones' blind side for years to come. When it's his turn to get paid, they will not be using the franchise tag. They will be backing up the Brinks truck for Andrew Thomas. But this is where it gets a little bit sketchy for me. Left guard, Ben Bredersen? Bredesen? Now, guys, you know I'm kind of an NFL nerd. I've never heard of Ben Bredesen. I'm sure he's a nice young man, and I'm sure he's a talented kid if he's listed as a starting NFL player. But I don't even know who the guy is. Their starting center, John Michael Schmitz, a kid we talked about. Um, Second-round pick out of Minnesota. I think oftentimes centers, they seem to transition uh, a little more seamlessly than tackles in the NFL. So I could see him being a productive center in year one. But still, he's a rookie. He's going to be going up against um, guys in this division. When he plays Washington, he's going to be going up against John Allen and Deron Payne, probably the best duo of defensive tackles. When he plays the Eagles, he's going to be going up against Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave and Jordan Davis, like just monsters. Who's the kid uh, the, the Giants just drafted? Uh, excuse me, the Eagles just drafted another monster um, from, from Georgia. 
Uh, it's slipping my mind right now, the kid who slipped in the draft. But yeah, the, the Eagles got just big body after big body. And then my Dallas Cowboys, we got Demarcus Lawrence. We've got Maisie Smith, a rookie we drafted. Um, so this just every week, John Michael Schmitz is going to be tested to the highest level. So he's going to be thrown to the fire. We'll see how he does. Right guard, Mark Glowinski. This is um, a guy that they brought over from Buffalo. So we uh, we talked about the uh, Joe Shane, general manager, came over from Buffalo. He brought over a few friends with him. And one of those guys last year was Mark Lewinsky. I think he's an average guard. But uh, he's a starter in the league, so it is what it is. Right tackle is Evan Neal. This is a kid um, who was drafted in the top 10 last year out of Alabama. Uh, he He struggled. Uh, as a rookie, much like Andrew Thomas, uh, but there's still time for Evan Neal. I don't, th- I don't think that um, all of a sudden that you know we can write him off. But I think he has a lot to prove, and I think he's under a lot of pressure. Now he is a right tackle, so he's not going to be going up against the best pass rusher, but he's going, he's going to be going up against the team's second best pass rusher in the NFL. That's still pretty damn good. So keep an eye on Evan Neal, top ten pick from Alabama. If he doesn't take big steps forward in year two, we could be hearing the bust word being thrown around. And guys, you know I'm OCD, and it was bothering me so much. The kid from Georgia who the Eagles drafted who slipped, his name is Jalen Carter. So Jalen Carter is going to be bothering the entire Eagles, um, excuse me, Giants offensive line, um, and probably the entire league for that is just, the Eagles are a problem, but we'll talk about them another day. Overall, I think this Giants offense is good, not great. And if Saquon Barkley is not there, I would say that they are below average. And below average is not going to get you into the playoffs. So they need to figure out the Saquon thing. And if they don't, um, we're going to find out if Daniel Jones is really worth $160 million. That's for damn sure. All right, now let's go over to the defense. This is a defense that is led by Wink Martindale, one of my favorite defensive coordinators. He came over last year, and you saw he immediately had an impact on this Giants defense. Very physical, loves to blitz, and he's got some dogs. Uh, Perhaps my favorite player on the whole team is Sexy Dexy, Dexter Lawrence. Had a Pro Bowl season last year. This is a former high draft pick out of Clemson. He has really taken strides in the NFL. He's gotten better year after year. And When you look at who else he's got on that defensive line, Sean Robinson, another big body SEC guy, and the big cat, Leonard Williams, um, former high draft pick of the New York Jets before he switched locker rooms in the Meadowlands to come over to play for the Giants. Leonard Williams, I would say, is Pro Bowl level as well. So when you, when you look at Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, I mean, they're right up there. I named all the other fantastic defensive linemen in the NFC East. These guys rank up there with the rest of them. Giants defensive line, I would say probably the strength of their entire team. Linebackers. Now they run a they run a three four guys. If you know, I'm sure most of you know what that is. That's three down linemen with four backers. Well, one of those linebackers is almost always going to be blitzing. And for the Giants, that's going to be Kayvon Thibodeau. He was a rookie drafted in the first round last year out of Oregon. One of my favorite draft picks at the time, and he didn't disappoint. He, uh, he flashed as a rookie, started to really put some pressure on opposing quarterbacks as the season went on, and I expect him to continue to grow in Wink Martindale's defense. I think Kayvon Thibodeau is an absolute threat to have double-digit sacks this year. For their true linebackers, sideline-to-sideline tacklers, 
We've got Bobby Okereke. Love Bobby Okereke. This is a, a free agent they brought over from the Indianapolis Colts. Go ask a Colts fan how they feel about Bobby Okereke. Not a whole lot of things to root for in Indy the past few seasons. Bobby Okereke is one of them. This guy's going to make an immediate impact for the Giants. Now, interesting here, they have Darian Beavers listed as their other um, starting linebacker on the inside. I would think it would be Gerard Davis or Jihad Ward, but they got Beavers. So regardless, they got some depth there at the linebacker position. And the other linebacker who I think who could do some blitzing is Aziz Ojulari. This is a kid, again, from the SEC. They drafted a couple of years ago. Ojulari had like seven or eight sacks as a rookie. This is just another tool in the box that Wink Martindale can throw at you. So when you've got that defensive line I talked about with Kayvon Thibodeau and Ojulari coming off the edges, the blitzes are going to be something special in the Meadowlands this year. Now let's go to the defensive backs. We talked about how they wanted to address the defensive backs in the draft. And starting day one is going to be Deontay Banks, the rookie from Maryland we talked about. So he's going to get thrown to the Wolves. We'll see if he was really worth that high investment they put in him. Their other starting cornerback I think is above average. That's a Dory Jackson. He's a free agent that they brought over from the Tennessee Titans a few years ago. Uh, Dory had a decent year when they brought uh, when they brought him in. I expect him to continue to play stellar for the Giants. One of my favorite players on the team, Xavier McKinney. This is a safety from guys where the SEC drafted him in the first round a couple years ago out of Alabama. He's a Pro Bowl level level player to me. Not only can he bang, he's also a ball hawk can get some interceptions. Xavier McKinney's going to be the quarterback of that defensive um, defensive back room, and I think he's going to be able to help these uh, these young players continue to ascend. And they've got a little bit of depth here. Um, Bobby McCain is listed as a backup safety. They've got Jason Pinnock. I don't agree with that, but I'm looking at ESPN right here. They got Jason Pinnock as the starting strong safety. If you go after go ask my co-host George and John, they're going to tell you that Bobby McCain is a starting safety in the league as he was for the Washington commanders. So interesting if that, uh, if that battle uh, goes underway in training camp, see who comes out, but a little bit of depth in the safety room and a little bit of le- a depth in the cornerback room too. They've got Darnay Holmes and Cordale Flott listed here as the second, <coughs> excuse me, second team corners. Both those guys are talented and they also signed Amani Oru Warrior. That's a mouthful. Uh, he's a free agent that came over from the Detroit Lions. So expect Oru Warrior um, in the like nickel dime sets when we got a lot of wide receivers on the field. Expect them to load up with their defensive backs and he can make a play. And uh, we'll finish up with the special teams because that's always exciting. The place kicker for the Giants, longtime veteran Graham Gano, very solid. The punter, Jamie Gillen. And they'll have, for a punt returner, either a Dory Jackson or Jamison Crowder. For a kick returner, it'll most likely be Gary Brightwell. So again, I'm going to give this roster, if everyone is healthy and in camp, about a B, perhaps a B-, minus. but I, th- I think this is 
about the level of team that they were last year. And as, as we've talked about at nauseum, this is a team that, that went to the playoffs. So I think they, they can have a chance to repeat the success of uh, year one under coach Dayball. Again, if Saquon Barkley and the roster are intact come September. All right, guys, I want to finish up here on our Giants team preview, running down their schedule. Okay, so I'm going to get my pen out here and we're going to go wins and losses. Please follow along with me at home. See if you guys get a, a similar result. All right, week one. They're coming. Actually, no, they're hosting the Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? This will be September 10th. This is Sunday night football. Not to be a homer here, guys, but I think the Cowboys spoiled the season opener for the Giants. I got them starting off with a loss. Week two, they're traveling to Arizona to play the Cardinals. I truly think the Arizona Cardinals perhaps may be the worst team in all of football, if not their bottom five. They are no good, and the Giants will defeat them easily. Got the Giants at one and one. Week three, traveling to Santa Clara to face the 49ers. Talk about an inverse of rosters. We go from the worst one in the Cardinals to the best one in the 49ers. That is a loss. Week four, hosting the Seattle Seahawks on Monday night football. Okay, guys, what I did not mention, and I apologize, that week three game against the Niners, that is a Thursday night football game. So they play the Niners on Thursday, and they don't play the Seahawks until Monday, October 2nd. So it's kind of a mini bye week there. That's why I like the Giants to get back on track, get the win against the Seahawks, even up that record. Week five, uh, one of, I think, like all of our favorite analysts on ESPN and NFL Network, their, their, their new sexy team that they like is the Miami Dolphins. We got all these weapons. We got all this speed. They bring over Jalen Ramsey. Everyone thinks their head coach is really cool, Mike uh, McDaniel. Um, I think this is a loss. I think you're going down to the Miami Heat in the beginning of October. They they got speed for days with uh with the Penguin Jalen Waddle and the Cheetah Tyree Kill. It sounds like a zoo down there in Miami. But um, long story short, I think they suffer the L. Doesn't get any easier. Then they travel all the way to the Great White North to play the Buffalo Bills, a battle of New York. Funny, the Bills are actually the only team that play in New York because the Giants and the Jets play in Jersey. But, you know, we're not here to talk geography. Let's stick on football. And this is another loss because the Bills are an excellent football team. Week seven, you host the Washington Commanders, the first of two games. Giants got to get a win here. They're bleeding. They've lost to the Bills. They've lost to the Dolphins. Time to get back on track and get a good old-fashioned division win. I got them beating the Commanders. Week 8, a battle of the Meadowlands. They host, I don't know if it's an away game or a road game. They both play in the same damn stadium. They play the New York Jets and Aaron Rodgers. That's a big game. I think the Giants get it done. These defensive backs for the New York Giants get a turnover off Rodgers. I think the Giants get the win against the Jets. Week 9, travel out to Vegas to play the Raiders. Oh, I can see Darren Waller wanting a big revenge game right here. I got the Giants going on a winning streak. They come out of Sin City with the win. They beat the Raiders. Week 10, 
they come to Dallas to play them Cowboys. And now, I guys, I, I said week one, you know, where the Cowboys were going to get the win. Now, I mean, is this this is November twelfth? I wanted to say that was going to be Thanksgiving. This Thanksgiving game, I I apologize. That is not the Thanksgiving game. Um, so this is just a, this is just a regular Sunday in November. I think the Cowboys sweep them. Call me a homer. I just think the Cowboys are the better team. I think Dak Prescott is better than Daniel Jones. Week eleven, they travel to DC to play the Commanders. Now I had them beating the Commanders earlier. I don't think they break out the brooms against the Commanders. I think the Commanders get it done. I think the Giants suffer the L there. Week 12, they play the Patriots. Guys, you know, remember the the history between these two teams, right? Um, the Eli Manning beating Tom Brady um, and the undefeated, you know, the Patriots going for 19-0. Eli Manning throws the the helmet catch to Tyree. They, they, they beat Tom. Then, then a couple years later, the, the crazy Mario Manningham catch. It, history repeats itself, and the Giants beat him again. Well, I just think uh, the wins keep on coming for the Giants over the Patriots. I got them defeating New England. Week 13, a much-needed bye. Then they get kind of an even an extra bye day because they wait until Monday night football. And on December 11th, they will play the Green Bay Packers. Now, what's important to remember about the Green Bay Packers is they no longer have Aaron Rodgers, and I think they're going to struggle this year, and the Giants get the win. Week 15, they travel to the Bayou to play New Orleans. The Saints are another interesting team. Um, if you recall, they brought over Derek Carr in the offseason, so a new quarterback. Uh, but I think the same result for the Saints. I just don't think Dennis Allen is really the man for that job. I think the Saints are going to be a competitive team eight or nine wins probably which might be good enough to win the nfc south but i think the g-men get it done in new orleans win for the giants week 16 ho 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 this will be christmas day and we are traveling to lincoln financial field to play the philadelphia eagles now guys we haven't seen the eagles pop up on the schedule yet we've only got a couple weeks left so the giants are going to play the eagles Two games very close together. The first one is going to be in Philadelphia. I think Santa delivers a big, fat loss to the Giants. I think the Eagles get it done on Christmas. That's a Monday night football game for uh, also, guys. The following Sunday, New Year's Eve, the Giants will ring in 2024 playing the Los Angeles Rams. This game is at home at MetLife Stadium. I think the G-Men get it done against the Rams. The Rams took a big step back last year. Matt Stafford was hurt off um, for most of the year. I think the Rams do bounce back. They'll be a, a playoff um, caliber team. But I think the Giants get it done against the Rams. And last but not least, guys, I said they play the Eagles twice. They play them two times in three weeks. This will be the last game of the year. It is still to be determined. You know, the NFL likes to tinker the schedule for week 18. Um, they try to push the games that are uh, most pertinent to um, teams that are looking for the playoffs. So we don't exactly know what day this will be on yet, but it will be week 18. It will be in 2024, and it's going to be the Giants hosting the Eagles. Now, right now, guys, I got the Giants at five, six, seven, nine wins and seven losses. So a couple years ago, that would have been a 
a, a complete season. You know, but now we've got the extra week. What do the Giants do here? Because I think the Giants are going to need to win this game to get into the playoffs. Whereas I think the Philadelphia Eagles are probably already going to have a playoff position wrapped up. So maybe we'll have some reindeer games like we did when uh, the Eagles played the Washington football team a couple years ago. And like all of a sudden, uh, like Jalen Hurts was benched and Nate Sudfeld came in the game and somehow Washington like was gifted this playoff berth maybe something like that happens maybe the eagles just rest their starters regardless i think the giants play with their hats on fire i think they get the win giants fans to get you guys to 10 and 7 i could be wrong i think that's the same record they had last year they may have been 9 and 8 regardless i got the if, if you're winning 10 games that's a playoff team so i got the giants going to the playoffs for back to back seasons Whew. That was a lot. <laughs> I miss you, John and George. I'm a little long-winded right now, um, but I hope you guys enjoyed that Giants team preview. To recap, I think the draft is pretty good. I think the roster is pretty good, but that is contingent on Saquon Barkley reporting to training camp. So keep your eyes on that story, and we will be back in July for our Dallas Cowboys team preview. I'm going to try to get John and George on. We may have a special guest. I don't want to tease it just yet, but stay tuned. Dallas Cowboys team preview in July. We've got the Philadelphia Eagles team preview in August. And then September, we are back to football, baby. I appreciate all you guys. I love you. And this is the NFC East.